0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode six. We have our very special guest, Rashiwan on again. Um, he's here to talk to me about some interesting stuff. And we are going to talk about the BMW i4, the Mustang Mach-E, which is interesting, the BMW M2 CS, the E30 M3, and we're also going to talk a little bit about the X3M competition Um, Again, because there's some new stuff on that. And then we actually have some questions to answer at the end. So stay tuned all the way to the end to uh, check those out. So um, hi, Nico. Uh, Thanks for joining me.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me back. Uh, Hello, everyone. Thanks for uh, listening to our uh, little but uh, growing podcast. (laughs) Um, As Nico said, we have a few topics this week. And um, you know, as a preview, we have a lot more uh, next week. We're both heading to the L.A. Auto Show, and there are quite a few world premieres there from uh, BMW, and we're going to touch on those when we get back uh, on Sunday or next Monday.
0: Yep, that's uh, pretty excited about that. Uh, L.A. Auto Show is going to be very interesting this year. I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff.: um, Exactly. Yeah, and, and not just from BMW, too. Like, it's like a ton of brands coming out with some really interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are not that many auto shows actually left, so to speak. Um seems like automakers are not really going to all of them anymore. Right. But for some reason, LA seems to have survived that. And um, there are quite a few uh, world premieres there and also some American debuts. And it's shaping up to be um, quite special. And, of course, uh, LA Auto Show, it's always been... Uh, regarded as more of an electric car auto show or, you know, plug-in hybrids. So there will be quite a few of those launching, but um, we'll definitely talk about that next week.
0: Yeah, I think there's some cool stuff to talk about, but all right, let's get started. I want to talk about the BMW i4 because you Mm -hmm. told me today that the specs um, that have been kind of swirling are confirmed, that it's got some really impressive uh, specs confirmed by Mm -hmm. BMW.
1: Yeah, so a couple of days ago there was a uh, report by CNET that came out. Um, uh, now today I know that it was based on an official uh, BMW press release, so um, I think they just jumped the gun a little bit. So they were able to share some of the information ahead of time. Uh, some of them were were known. We've posted about the i4 quite a bit in the last probably couple of years. Um, first, you know, we know that it's coming in twenty twenty one. It's um, probably the uh, the biggest step for BMW in the next electrification process, along with the iNext or iX, or whichever name they finally decide on. And um, just to kind of give you an overview of the i4, it's based on the uh, new BMW 4 Series architecture, more exactly on the 4 Series Grand Coupe. So it's gonna have a nice silhouette, and we've already seen a, um, a vision car based on that. Um, it's going to go through a few changes and I think we might see either the full production card next year or maybe the uh, concept card that's very close to the production. Um, as far as the technical specs, it's using the uh, fifth generation e-drive technology. Uh, it's something that uh, BMW has been talking about the last also couple of years. Uh, it's the next iteration in their uh, electrification architecture. And um, basically, we will see a little bit of that in the IX3 SUV coming next year, but I think the i4 is the first one and the iNext to really fully utilize the um, the new architecture. And as far as the specs, so far they've only shared that uh, it will have about 390 kilowatts, uh, which translates into about 530 horsepower. The electric range it's estimated to 600 kilometers. Which is about 373 miles. Um, it's unclear whether those are um, actual miles or if the EPA will, the EPA in the US will have um, similar numbers. Um, but that's kind of what they're estimating right now. And uh, you know, based on on our sources, we've heard that the i4 might actually you know have you know additional variants similar to what Tesla offers with their models. So we might see. Uh, you know, different battery packs, which will impact the electric driving range, of course, and the uh, power output. So that's kind of the, um, the hard course packs. Um, basically, with 530 horsepower, you know, that's kind of similar to the 4.4 uh, 4 liter V8 uh, twin turbo engine that we see today in some of the M50i models. So that's quite exciting because it's going to be a super fast car. And um, honestly, I mean, I think the... Uh, 0 to 62, 0 to 100 kilometer per hour test, you know, should go around four seconds or even, you know, below that.
0: Right. Yeah. It should probably be quicker than that actually. Cause that's, that's a lot of power and it's going to be um, relatively light. It's not going to be super light cause it is kind of based on a, you know, modular architecture. It's not a bespoke EV platform. Yeah, so exactly. it might weigh a little bit more than, you know, some like bespoke electric cars, but it still should be, the power to weight should be impressive.
1: I mean, we have to see. I mean, basically, um, we will drop actually a link to the article in the uh, notes and you can see some of the uh, photos that were released by BMW where they're showing the generation three and four of the battery cell, which um, you'll immediately notice it's quite larger than uh, the, gen- the, uh, the generation five uh, battery packs. So they're saying that the generation five battery pack, it's about 550 kilos. Uh, yeah. I don't recall it was in Generation Three and Four, but if you look at the the images, you can definitely see how much smaller it is. So maybe yeah. um, you know it's getting higher density, of course, uh, and maybe the uh, the overall battery pack it's likely to go down in weight. So that will be interesting to kind of see the final numbers. Yeah, and I think the other one. The, yeah, I think the other one that the the other thing they actually mentioned was the uh, top speed. Which now uh, it's able to go up to two hundred kilometers per hour, which is about one hundred twenty-four miles per hour. So that should cover, you know, uh, most of the markets, and even you know, driving on the autobahn should be uh, good enough.
0: Right. I actually I'm curious about that because as I want Chuck mentioned this last time he was on, because like there's a lot of hubbub about the Porsche Taycan having a um, like a gearbox, like a two-speed gearbox for top speed. So the Taycan has like a higher top speed than most normal EVs because it has that second gear. Um, But BMW actually implemented that first in the i8. I think the front uh, electric motor has a two-speed gearbox, like a two-speed transmission. So I'm wondering if BMW implements that um, in the future. Like you said, there might be um, different i4 models. I wonder if they implement that uh, similar to the way Porsche is doing it in like a maybe higher performance i4 that can have a higher top speed for the Autobahn or something like that. Yeah, That'd be um, interesting to see
1: it'd be very interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure actually on that, but um, I think they gonna, they're going to they're going to share some more inf- information early next year. I think they're going to start to ramp up the uh, communication on the I-4. So I think as we go into uh, 2020, you know, uh, we will definitely uh, get more information on that. Uh, I think the only thing that they, they shared so far was also the uh, a better capacity, which is uh, rated at, at 80 kilowatts per hour uh, and um, you know, that's where they came up with that 373 miles driving range. There were some, there was some chatter online, basically, if, uh, you know, how they were able to achieve that. But we're not going to get into the technical specs right now until we actually know more. I guess the only thing that's worth mentioning also on the i4, it's the charging capacity, which now they're saying that it can go up to 150 kilowatts. And they're estimating, you know, for, uh, to be charged to around 80% uh in around 35 minutes which is fantastic uh, yeah. and also the uh, if you want to get uh, i think the press release said something like if you want to go up to 60 miles of ev range which is about 100 kilometers it will only take you about six minutes if you're using a uh, fast charging station yeah so that's, that's, that's very quite exciting
0: yeah um, that, i mean i'll mm-hmm. oh, continue i'm sorry cut you off
1: no i was going to say that i mean that's kind of the, um, the highest output. I mean, of course, we're going to be bound to the existing uh, infrastructure. Uh, we already know that not all the countries, not even all the states in the U.S. are well developed when it comes to the charging infrastructure. So, as always, that will play a, an important role in the adoption of the new electric vehicles. And also, you know, how people will um, you know, get familiarized with the charging uh, capabilities of the cars as well. So hopefully, uh, by the time the car comes out, we'll have a lot more fast charging stations spread around major markets and even into smaller markets.
0: Right. And um, that 150 kilowatt charging, is, um, that is, I think, tied with the fastest in the industry with the Audi e-tron. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure maybe there might be a couple other uh, EVs that can do it by the time the i4 comes out. But uh, yeah, the e-tron is think, the only car currently on sale that can charge at that speed. And there are very few chargers that can handle that kind of uh, speed right now. So hopefully, like you said, the infrastructure ramps up a little bit so that, um, you know, when owners can actually get these cars, they can take advantage of the tech. But it's nice that they have the tech there. So when the infrastructure does build up, you know, they they can take advantage of it. So that that's good.
1: Yeah, I've always been curious uh, how much will it cost to actually build a uh, fast charging station of that capacity of the charging rate so maybe that's something that i can find out in in the future and share with some of you but uh, i'm pretty sure they're quite expensive that's why the adoption it's very slow
0: right right and it's it, it, i'm sure it has to be expensive otherwise it wouldn't be slow you know
1: exactly yeah so that's kind of the i4 i mean it's uh, it's quite exciting i've been driving an i3 for the last six years so i'm actually looking forward to an i4 hopefully <laughs> it's priced you know nicely in the bmw range and nothing too expensive and um yeah, that might be something that I will personally be interested sometimes in the future, you know, based on um, on the driving range and all the other features that it might bring to market. So personally, I'm quite excited to uh, to see that car. I think they said 2021 for the actual uh, market launch.
0: Yeah, that's that's got to be exciting as an I3 owner, you know. Yeah, it's exactly. A big upgrade. Um, moving on from that, I want to talk about the ne- like the big EV, you know, big EV news right now. So yeah that was
1: yeah. That, that was huge right i mean yeah the mustang mach
0: that. e yeah it's like it, i kind of knew it was coming but i didn't mm-hmm. know it was going to be that like it looks like they just took a mustang and made a crossover out of it mm-hmm. which a lot of people really really don't like but yeah. what's interesting is that the car underneath the skin is actually it seems like a very good car it has like 300 miles of range. It has yeah, you know, 400 horsepower something. You know, it's 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 fast. It's got a ton of range. It's going to have multiple uh, variants. It's going to be relatively affordable. Um, so I think that's interesting. And we're going to see it in LA. So that's going to be really interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, can't wait to see the car in person. I mean, clearly it's got an EV design. So it kind of drops the iconic, you know, front end a little bit. So it's been changed there. Um, I think the top model it's in the 60s range in the US, uh, like sixty-three thousand like yeah. dollars maybe. Yeah. So that's kind of put it up there with some of the um, EVs on the market from the premium automakers. So it's interesting to see Mustang actually kind of joining the, um, the premium segment of electric vehicles. I think some of them will be a little bit cheaper, like you said, in the forty-something thousand dollars. So that's going to probably play well for them. Um, under the premium market as well. But um, yeah, I mean, clearly it's exciting times. You can see iconic brands changing, I guess that's what BMW did in early 2000s with the X lineup, which now it's, you know, arguably the best seller uh, model lineup in um, in their portfolio. So we might see the same thing, you know, coming from Mustang in the future especially with everyone embracing the crossovers and SUVs and moving towards electrification.
0: Right, it's kind of sad to see the Mustang, you know, like one of the most iconic names in the entire industry, um, kind of turn into a crossover, but it, it's hard to not see that now because of the way I mean, the industry is yeah. moving, Ford needs yeah. to kind of capitalize on that. And um, so- We need
1: to evolve, right? I mean, it's always been a topic where everyone wants the cars to stay the same, the brand to stay the same, but. They need to evolve. The customer base is changing; has been changing over the last few years. It's changing, you know, faster than ever. Uh, people have different demands. People have different expectations, and it's fair to say that if you do not adapt, if you do not, you know, uh, move for, uh, towards the future, you might be left behind. So, I guess those companies don't want to do that. And if they have like a really powerful brand, a strong brand like the Mustang, then you might as well take advantage of that and. Uh, you know, keep your existing user base and maybe even get some new customers, you know, they're interested into the Mustang brand, but they want an electric drivetrain. So I think that's kind of cool. But yeah, I'm actually looking forward, you know, on Wednesday to kind of see the car. We'll definitely have some we'll, some photos and an article on BMW blog as well, talking about the car since it's such a big deal. And then we'll touch um, on the subject maybe next week on the podcast as well.
0: Yeah, I am very curious to see it because it's like, it's just such a weird thing to see like a Mustang crossover and it's all electric, but it, it should exactly. be actually a good car once it hits the road. Um, I think once people can kind of get over the shock of a Mustang SUV.
1: Yep.
0: But, mm-hmm. um, all right, so let's, I think people are getting, <laughs> going to get bored of, uh, just EV news. We need to talk about some real, uh, real exactly. petrol head stuff. that. So, the M2 CS really blew up. Uh, these couple of weeks so i think we should definitely talk about that
1: yes i mean we knew the car is coming i've been probably writing about the car for the last two three years as well i've had uh several conversations with bmw people and also with the m people uh i remember talking about the car with the former mco frank van mill i used to bug him quite a bit When i used to see him in person and asking him when the car is coming he never really gave me a straight answer but there was always something there kind of telling me that they're thinking about it and it kind of made sense especially since you had the m3 cs and the m4 cs and they'd be talking about the cs brand uh you know being used in other models so the writing was on the wall so uh i knew about two weeks before he came out that Um, When the launch date is, I saw the photos early on, Uh, you know, I was quite impressed uh, by the car. I mean, it's not a huge design change, but just a little few bits that were put on. It just made the car look even sportier, uh, even more dynamic. So I instantly, you know, loved it. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing the car on Wednesday as well. Oh, I'll try to shoot a lot of photos and videos of the car. We'll do some some Facebook lives and Instagram lives and stories and all of that to kind of show the car from all angles. And I think, as a you know, news to all of you right now, we will actually interview the new MCO on Wednesday, Marcus Flash. And um, you know, today it's Monday. If you do have some questions by Wednesday that you like to know about the AM2CS and about the M brand uh once again you can send us an email uh you know nico nico at bmwblog.com and we can definitely try to squeeze in some of these questions on wednesday and we'll even try to do a podcast with uh with marcus flash so that will be um probably our first you know um bmw guest on the show but yeah Yeah, back to the m2cs yeah kind of tell me what you liked about the car or tell me some of the specs
0: Um, you know, I like that it has the new powertrain. Well, it's not the new powertrain. It's actually an old powertrain. It's from the M4 competition pack.
1: Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I actually remember testing that car very specifically because I, I remember that it felt a lot less snappy than their regular Mm -hmm. M4. Like it felt, um, like, I don't know, just, it was a little bit more linear. I didn't feel like the boost came on so hard. Like the the torque came on so hard. And I think that had a lot to do with just the, um, the tuning of the engine, not so much like the uh, the actual power. So now it has the 444 horsepower from that car. And I think if BMW can kind of make... Because the M2 competition is great, but it can get a little bit scary. You know, sometimes it can get a little mm-hmm. tail happy on you. So I'm hoping they kind of... It has that
1: same... I'm electric. pretty sure they kept the same thing. I mean, they do control that uh, mostly from the uh, uh, software tuning. That's what they told me on the M4CS and right. M3CS. So I think they're gonna definitely gonna try to keep that tail spin a little bit, you know, in yeah, there. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> To make a, that a little fun. more of a hole again. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but it was funny um, when I was in South Carolina. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Um, a couple of the BMW people were like, "Oh, I read what you wrote about the M2CS, and you like, why didn't you like it so much?" And it's maybe I came off a bit harsh on it, but um, it's one of those things. I think we're really gonna need to drive it to to know if it's any if it is as good as you know it's been hyped up to be because on paper yeah like the 444 horsepower is nice but it's already the m2 competition is already so fast that i don't know if we're going to notice a huge difference and in terms of looks um i I remember in the article i wrote there's not much about it that you can't get on a regular m2 competition just from the m performance parts division so
1: I mean that's Just true up to a point actually because that's something that I pointed out, uh I don't know if, if in an article or somewhere else, but you're absolutely right. Some of the parts like, you know, the carbon fiber splitter on the front, you know, the uh boot spoiler, the diffuser, things that you can definitely add on, you know, from the uh Am performance catalog. But the one big change that you actually can so far it's the hood. So basically uh you yes. know, with with, a, with the uh bump so that's kind of cool it actually looks cool and it's lighter than on the m2 competition but i guess the biggest one it's really the carbon fiber roof right so in the u.s uh you can only install that at the dealer and from what i know there are very few if any dealers in the u.s that have taken that task to get certified to install the the roof and basically you cannot have it factory installed so or even port installed. It has to be installed by the local dealer. I don't know the take rate in Europe on that or in the US, but you know the fact that you have to rely maybe on the local dealer, which might not be specialized in that to, you know, cut off the roof and replace it with another one, it's not something that people really want to do to their cars. So I think customers will feel more comfortable, you know, having the M2CS coming with the roof, with a carbon fiber roof from the factory, which basically you know it's done in a you know bmw factory you know certified by all the things you know and um, i i guess as an owner i would feel safer to have it installed by a bmw plant oh yeah oh of course so um, i guess that's one of the biggest changes right i mean if you th- look at th- every piece
0: this change actually i think it's the most important change to it honestly because not mm-hmm. only does it make the car lighter it lowers the center of gravity and mm-hmm. i think that's going to make a significant impact on uh the way it feels and in the hood as well the hood is lighter and i think it does it i think it has like a scoop in it right like for um aerodynamic purposes
1: exactly Mm -hmm. Um, and i think i mean if you look at the car Overall, I mean, the M3 CS and M4 CS, I remember driving the cars, and I've always said that that's what the M3 should have been from the get-go. I was not impressed with the standard M3 and M4, but the M3 and CS and M4 CS, they were just fantastic cars. And, of course, those are heavier than the M2, so I definitely expect the M2 CS to be even more fun to drive than, than the other CS models. Right. And, um, are you gonna notice a huge performance you know gain? Probably not, but I'm pretty sure if you take it on the track and you give it into the hands of a pro driver uh he or she will be able to you know tell you you know that's that's a better car all around, but that's something that will probably you know or hopefully we get to drive it on the track and um uh, you know I've driven the m2 competition quite a bit, so I have you know a comparison point, and I'm super excited to actually drive the car next year. I mean still got a lot of horsepower you know 440 450 horsepower yeah. you know 405 you know pound-feet of torque which is crazy and i think they were saying something like four seconds flat you know zero to 60 miles per hour yeah uh, so it's pretty impressive you know and you know i guess the best part also is that they maintain the uh, six-speed manual
0: yes <laughs> so
1: i mean there are not that many sports cars today right offer with the uh six-speed manual so right, i actually yeah. applaud bmw m4 kind of sticking to those manuals i know they're expensive to continue to build um you know it's always easier probably to throw in a you know dual clutch or recently the eight-speed automatic into a car because they're so good and they can really handle you know all the torque thrown at them and they're smooth they're fast so they're really great but i guess if you're a purist and you still want to drive you know a manual brand new car then not that many options out there so it's kind of It's kind of cool that you're able to actually get that. And I think it's the U S market based on what I know from the M guys, they always tell me that it's the Americans, you know, keeping the um, manuals alive, which is quite interesting because you know, if you're, if you take your driver license in Europe, you're mostly used to driving manuals, not automatic transmissions where in the U S it's quite the opposite
0: yeah so, it's true yes, i always yeah. felt that found that odd because like mm-hmm. almost no one in america knows how to drive manual anymore but it is the american enthusiasts that are kind of screaming for manuals so okay. I, I do applaud bmw for keeping it and i think i am going to go back to what you said about the roof i think that's the most important part and something i want to mention when i was talking to those bmw representatives a couple of weeks ago one of the things that one of them pointed out to me was that the carbon fiber roof being standard or not standard, but I don't know if it's standard or optional, but the fact that it can come from the factory on the M2 CS is really impressive actually, because that means BMW had to develop a carbon fiber roof, have it crash tested and go through all of that work for a specific low volume car that isn't going to make them a ton of money. And they went through all that development work to do that. And that's a really impressive thing that they did for, for yeah. enthusiasts only, you know, only enthusiasts are buying the M2CS. So the fact that BMW exactly. did that is, I think, really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I guess a couple less points on this topic. I mean, a lot of people are wondering about the uh, production volume. I think they mentioned 2,000 two thousand or twenty-two hundred units uh, globally. Initially, there was a report that the U.S. market will get about five hundred units. And I actually, spoke to uh, BMW of North America, and they said that was the initial allocation, but they don't really. Uh, they don't really have an exact number, so that's not accurate today, and they're still trying to determine how many they were able to get. Uh, I'm assuming they're trying to get as many as possible because the U.S., it's likely the biggest market for the uh, M2CS, but um, that's something that I'll definitely ask them on Wednesday at the LA Auto Show uh, to kind of see if we can get an unofficial number that we can use, and maybe uh, they'll share with us uh, the pricing as well. I think the, the American pricing is the only one that hasn't come out yet. Most of the European countries have published theirs. Uh, Germany, they're going to sell it around $95,000. And I do have an article on all the pricing uh, in Europe, and I can drop that in the notes as well. So if they're doing 95,000 euros, I'm assuming the US market will be quite expensive as well. But maybe we can find out this week.
0: Yeah, it's probably going to be expensive because it is limited, but um, I'm sure enthusiasts won't mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have to see. I mean, the M3 CS and M4 CS were not huge hits. I mean, there were still quite a few of them sitting at the dealerships. So, I'm um, definitely interesting to see uh, if the M2 CS will sell out or not, or if there is a huge customer base even at a high, you know, pricing point. Right. But um, yeah, I guess we can definitely uh, do a follow up next week if we get some new information in LA, and we can share with you, you know, through the articles and through the podcast too. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, moving on to that, actually kinda of, it's a good segue, actually. We we're just talking about pricing. Um if you say like the M two C S, you know, it's gonna be an expensive car. This the standard one, the standard competitions, you know, was like sixty thousand dollars ish for an M two competition. So it's probably the C S is gonna be, you know, a bit more than that. And one of the cars that you can get for that money is the ultimate BMW Enthusiast car, the E thirty M three. Um, and we exactly. just talked about that recently uh, on the website, Uh I actually just wrote a piece on like the five reasons why you should buy an E30 M3. And mm-hmm. one of them was, yes, it's, a, it's the cost. Yes, it's expensive, but it should hold its value quite well. And I think that if you're going to spend that kind of money on a BMW, it should be the E30 M3 because it's going to hold its value well. Um, it might even continue to appreciate quite a bit because the prices are kind of crazy for that thing. Yeah, I
1: think it still does. I mean, the last few years, they've been skyrocketing. I mean, it's insane, actually. I mean, it took a while for the car to become an icon. And now it's definitely, I mean, even the E33 series, it's, you know, people are looking for the car. And the, the E30 M3 right now, I mean, it's one of the finest, like you said, driving machines of all time. So I can see why it's being in high demand and, you know, prices going up consistently.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I was doing some research on the E30M3 before I wrote that. Mm-hmm. And I was on some forums like E30M3 forums from back from 2002. And mm-hmm. people were like commenting on like, is this one a good deal? It's $15,000. I'm like, you can't even, <laughs> you can't even get a E30M3 hood for $15,000 right yeah. now. I mean, there are, yeah. some of them are six figures. It's getting crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a fantastic car. I think people realize, you know, that cars like that are not being made anymore either by uh, BMW or from other or by other automakers. So, you have this nostalgia I guess kicking in and you just want to get you know an, an iconic car in your garage and E30 M3 it's definitely definitely comes up at the top of any uh, you know BMW classic cars that you should own. So that's kind of why, you know, I said, oh, you know, yeah. let's try to do an article on it. And so maybe I kind of tell me what are the five reasons, you know, why I should buy or someone should buy the M3. I mean, well, aside from that, that was cost. And I want to just clarify
0: if you can afford it, because it's very expensive. Exactly. If you can afford one, it's I think it's well worth the purchase. Um, but one of the reasons, one of the other reasons is the fact that it's just very rare. You don't see a lot of them. And uh, they they didn't sell a lot of them. That's why. You know, it's not like you don't see a lot of them because they're expensive. Uh, BMW flat out just didn't sell a lot. So I mentioned in the article, like, when was the last time you saw an E30 M3 on the road? For me, it's never. I've never seen an E30 M3 driving on the street. I've seen them at Mm -hmm. car shows. I've seen them at, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, BMW events. Uh, But I've never actually seen one driving on the road. And just so just having one, you know, it doesn't look. That crazy to the non-car enthusiast, but to car enthusiasts, they know. You know, you drive an E three M three. other car enthusiast sees you in one, and they're gonna know you're in something special. Yeah. So I think that that's really cool. You know, if if you have one, you're gonna get that special feeling out of it. Agreed. um Another reason is the fact that it's an actual race car. Like, yes, it's made for the road, and it, the one you can buy for the road isn't a race car, but it's based off of a real race car, and it's the only M three that is like that you know bmw created a dtm car first the touring car first and then homologated that for the road yeah. you know so no other m3 is like that oh. uh they're all road cars first and then yeah touring cars have been made out of uh m3 since and other race cars but the e30 is based off of a race car first and i think that that's really cool like you have that yeah, that's cool it doesn't have motorsport DNA because marketing says so, it actually does, you know. Yeah. So, that's that I think is really cool.
1: Yeah, it's also yeah. the only
0: one with yeah. a four cylinder.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, every uh M3 after that's been six, or in the case of just the E92, uh, V8,
1: uh, V8, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? I mean, it's such a different engine, it's considered one of the best engines they've uh, the M division has ever built, and it's extremely unique, it's very compact. I remember driving my first E30 M3 maybe ten years ago, and it just felt so different. I mean, that's something that I was used to, and I just loved that little engine. It was it was really, really well balanced for the car. It fit the car perfectly, and um, I can see why you know it was so successful in in motor racing as well.
0: Yeah, actually, I've never driven one. I've always wanted to drive one, and never gotten the chance. So.
1: I yeah, I love, think the BMW uh, classic one. Germany's got a few. I think the uh BMW Classics USA uh, might have one. So maybe we I can I don't think they
0: have an M3 cuz I just yeah, talked to yeah. I just yeah. talked to uh some of the people from BMW actually it was Jay. Interesting. And he was saying that they have an E twenty eight M five, but they and they have a couple E thirty three series, but not an M three.
1: Oh, so maybe that's what I think about E thirty three series. Gotcha. Well, yeah. Maybe they can get one, so we can grab it for a few days. And <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Do an old school article on it.
0: Yeah, that would be really cool if they would uh, <laughs> if they would let one yeah.
1: let exactly. one out. Um, yeah. So that's the E thirty M three, and I guess one topic that you mentioned earlier that maybe we can um, basically jump directly into from still with the M brand. It's the X3M competition.
0: Oh yeah. That's, um, that's been a very interesting car. Uh, I think, I think it's kind of underappreciated or like maybe, I don't know, I want to say underappreciated maybe, but it's just not talked
1: about enough because it is so good. It's a very and, good car. Um, yeah. I drove it it's actually so fast. this year. Yeah. I drove it early. I think maybe May of this year. I went to New York for the, um, for the launch and we went um, on the track and then on the road as well, and the car was just fantastic. I remember driving the uh, X3 uh, M40i and I thought that was a very good car, but jumping into the X3M and the X3M competition, it was even better. Um, So well-balanced, so powerful. I mean, it's really, really hard to find any fault that car. If you were to look at the X5M and X6M, the previous generation, not the new one since I haven't driven it yet, uh, I mean, those cars were powerful. They were great, but they were still very heavy. They were a little bit taller, you know, a lot more body roll. It's just an overall heavier car. So the driving feeling was different. But the X3 M and X4 M, I feel like they're like the perfect size for a you know sports SUV or a, it's, it's just great. I mean, and that's kind of that's kind of what I've been reading online from other magazines, you know, and that they kind of had the same the same feeling, same impression. And it's also quite practical, right? I mean, you have a lot of space. It's the X3 body, um, and it's nice inside now as well. So um, I truly think it's a great car. But it was interesting that you know you and I talked about the uh, Car and Driver article that came out, where they uh, did a, uh, a test of the X3 M competition, and they came up with some crazy results.
0: Yeah, yeah. They I mean Car and Driver is always the go-to for american publications when it comes to you know timing results and like really detailed tests and they used you know their advanced timing gear and they got 3.3 seconds wow here to 60 which is really fast for an suv i mean
1: very fast
0: we kind of get jaded nowadays m5s are doing you know 2.8 seconds to 60 but 3.3 for uh an suv is really fast
1: it is very fast yeah i mean
0: yeah i think the only other SUV in its segment that can do that sort of speed is the Alpha Stelvio Quadrifoglio, um, Mm. which is also just violently fast. That thing's crazy. But I think the X3M competition, I actually tested it for a week, uh, maybe a month ago or so. And it is, it it handles crazy. You know, it it, it handles crazy. Well, it's so sharp. The steering is precise. Um, Like you said, it's really well balanced. I think the only downside is that it's like brutally stiff but i think that kind of makes it fun and exciting cuz it kind of feels like it's crazy it feels like it's a hardcore you know performance machine so yeah. i really i really like that car a lot
1: yeah i mean it's definitely a great car like i said and i think the most exciting uh part for me is and i mentioned that in my report you know a few months ago is that it's the same engine that's going to be used by the next m3 and m4 the g80 g82 generations so as you can imagine you know having such a great engine in that car so powerful and then you know you pair that with a smaller car even more dynamic or aerodynamic then i mean you can kind of see the writing on the wall on what the next generations m3 and m4 will actually be so that's that's kind of that's kind of exciting actually
0: yeah i am very excited about the next m3 because just the powertrain of the X3M is awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, just really. imagine throwing you know, over 500 horsepower in that car, you know, a huge bump over the the current model, and you can already, you know, have an idea of the performance that you're going to get
0: Right. from and the XM3 and F4. And I've already been impressed with the standard 3 Series models. I think they handle great. So add, you know, a ton of extra power and sharper, you know, everything, and I think it's going to be a really incredible car
1: exactly yeah i mean hopefully before the um, m3 and m4 come out i'm hoping that alpina will have some test drives of the uh, b3 sedan and b3 by turbo which are using the same s58 engine as the x3m competition and also the m3 and m4 so maybe we'll get an idea you know before the cars come out and you know what what the performance of that engine really is especially since they're only going to be probably coming out in 2021. So uh, right. that's something that I look forward to seeing next year.
0: Now that will only be well. in Europe, right? The B3. coming. Yes. I mean,
1: that's kind of what you said in the, in the article, I think on your test drive, I mean, it's the X3 M it's kind of the, uh, Turing, the sports wagon that would not get in here. Right. Uh, of, yeah. course, of course the Europeans will disagree and I agree with them. Uh, because <laughs> the Turing the version of the uh, 3 Series is a fantastic-looking car. It drives really nicely. I drove one. I have not driven the M340i yet, but if you are to base the performance and the uh, driving dynamics of the regular M340i sedan, then you can expect the same. And then if you take that S58 engine and throw it into the B3 from Alpina, then yeah, just things are getting crazier. So I kind of wish we got this in the U.S., but if we don't, I would say the next best thing If you're looking for something similar or sort of then you'll be the x3m for sure
0: right because in europe you can get an m340i touring or a b3 touring but -hmm. we can't get either of those in the states so the only way to get the performance of an m3 in something that's like a practical family car is the x3m and honestly i mean it's probably not as good as what an m3 uh, touring would be or a b3 touring it's it's not it can't be too far off cuz i mean you've driven the x3m too it's a monster it is crazy yeah. so yeah, exactly. I, I think it's a really good car
1: yeah um, totally agree i think it's understated and i think people will realize in time that it's a it's a fantastic car and not to take away from the x3 40 yeah, A, which is also a very very good car and it's good enough for for most of oh, the yeah. drivers out there
0: yeah that's a great i love that car actually that's a great car
1: yeah um, all
0: right so i want to move on great. to because we got a wrap this up a little bit getting a little short on time so i want to answer some questions we finally got some questions from some listeners actually one
1: listener but he asked several questions yeah guys (laughs) just you know just send the questions in we're here to answer them there is a lot a lot of things that we do know sometimes maybe we forget to put them in writing or maybe we can't who knows what the reason is but yeah feel free to send questions in once again you know uh, nico nico bmwblog.com We'll try to answer them in every episode. Um, I mean, we have an open door policy, so ask us anything and we will definitely answer them. Right. So, with that, uh,
0: sometimes we can't always, people have very specific questions that we can't really think of all the time. So, we we might know the answer. So, yeah, ask whatever you want. Um, So, yeah, let me get to one. um, I got one person asked me several questions um sure. brendan barlow from southern california who works at a porsche dealership um all awesome. places that's cool. has been a b enthusiast bmw enthusiast excuse me for a very long time and uh he's disappointed about the g21 3 series not coming to america and wants to know if that's just this particular model year or if that will continue and as far as i know there won't be and there's at least no plans for any other three series touring or wagon to come to america correct
1: yeah i mean so bmw plans may be a few years ahead so things can always change what i can probably say with certainty i mean it's not you know bmw official you know language right now it's basically what i know is that you know the g21 will not be coming to the us um will that change in the future who knows right i mean the product cycle, it's, you know, anywhere from five to seven years, a lot of things can change in that period of time, maybe the market demands change, the customer taste, uh, you know, uh, changes, um, you can end up having, you might end up having a an electric, you know, sports wagon touring in the future. So that might be something that's interesting coming to the US. So never say never. But I would say, you know, for the G21. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see that in the US since unfortunately you know the previous generation uh f31 has not really sold well i rarely see any on the street and when i see one i actually go up to the owner and talk to him or her (laughs) i even take photos because they're so rare and i always love when i see them especially with the m sport package Uh, so that's kind of the reason why they're not coming here people just don't buy them i mean if people would have purchase them uh bmw would have been probably happy to bring them over and sell them but since you know it's very uh it's kind of like a very it's like a, like a niche car then yeah you won't see that here
0: right um yeah i agree i love seeing them but uh for the for the foreseeable future no more three series wagons but like you said never say never yep so we move on to his next question, and it is why doesn't Alpina import three, four, or five series models to America? And I think oh, that's, that's a really very good just sales, right?
1: Uh, yes and no. So actually, um, I was fortunate to actually spend some time with uh, Eddie, uh, with Andy Bobbinspin. Um, if I'm pronouncing the last name correctly, the um, CEO of Alpina I've met him several times over the years and honestly this is a topic that comes up almost every single time in any roundtable discussions any one-on-ones you know why aren't you bringing any other models to the US and in the past uh, Andy told me that you know mostly because the profit margins on the B3s or the D3s or B5s are a little bit lower than on the high-end models like the B7 and likely the X 7 SUV and it, he also had something to say or in regards to the exchange rate in between the euro and the usd which uh, had an impact on also the uh the profit margins so that was kind of the the official reason that i was given i'm pretty sure they looked at the uh, the market landscape as well and they said well maybe you know the turins are not going to work here but maybe the sedans would but because we might not be able to make a lot of money on them then we can't really bring them over uh keep in mind these cars are you know they're going from the bmw factory to the alpina factory in baklo in bavaria and they go through a intensive manual process to refine them so uh, yeah it's not as um they don't have a lot of profit margins in this maybe that's one of the reasons but honestly i would have loved a 3 or a b5 they were great cars i mean we did get the b6 grand coupe And hopefully we're gonna get a B8 Grand Coupe in the US. That'll be quite exciting. But yeah, like once again, they're not the B3s or the B5s, which we would love to have. But if you ever go to Europe and can rent one or maybe find someone that has one, definitely drive it. It's an absolutely fun car to drive.
0: Yeah, and if uh, Alpina does bring a B8 Grand Coupe here, I will sell whatever organs I have to sell to get one. (laughs) Um, But the last question he has is, um, does BMW have any plans for an M2 Grand Coupe? And the answer is no, right? Like it's a flat. Yeah, no. the answer is no.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I heard. Um, again, unofficially, they've never, you know, confirmed to me specifically. But the answer that I always got was like, is there really a market for it? Is there enough volume for us to produce one? So from what I know, yeah, there is none. I mean, they do have the two series Grand Coupe, and then you know, which is a different body style. But honestly, I don't. I don't foresee an M two Grand Coupe, Grand Coupe coming yeah. in the next generation.
0: I don't either. Um, as from everything we've heard, I don't see that either. However, and I don't have any sort of information like like I don't have anywhere near the information you do. But I will always say never say never, only because there was an old Motor Trend article I read years and years and years ago, mm-hmm. um, where one of their editors was speaking to um, an M an M division engineer, maybe the CEO of M at the time, and it was back during the original 8 series, the E31 8 series, and he asked if there would ever be an M8, and he said, no, because it's too big and too heavy, and M cars can't be that big or that heavy, and now we have M SUVs, and we have two different M8s, and all sorts of stuff, so I guess the answer is never say never, but as of right now,
1: no. It goes back to what I said, right? The market changes, the, the customer base changes, the demographics... It's, I mean, I always say this, you know, it's so hard to predict right now what the future looks like in the automotive world. Uh, before it used to be a little bit easier, you kind of knew your your main models, you would throw in a, a niche model here and there, but now it changes so quickly, so rapidly, and I think it's really, really tough for all the automakers to come up with a, you know, long-term strategic plan on what models to bring to market. So most of them are trying to stay flexible and play around with different architectures and body styles so they can react quickly to the market demands. So that's why it's really hard to tell, you know, what the next 10 years would actually bring. Honestly, I'm starting to look more of the next five years kind of plan and have an idea what we might see. But past five years, I honestly don't know either what the automotive market would look like I mean we have electric cars and autonomous driving and hybrids and I don't even know which one it's going to be the one that you know takes it all or maybe fuel cell hydrogen so that's why yeah I mean you're absolutely right to know to go back to your point we just don't know what the future will bring and I'm sure BMW is you know working hard to figure that one out as well
0: yeah all right so that's all we have for today great um thank you for joining me and talking cars with me.
1: Sure, absolutely. I mean, I look forward to it um, and we're going to both going to uh LA on Tuesday, so today it's Monday. Yes. And I think the auto show we have a few things going on tomorrow, some BMW things and uh, we're going to be some other automakers going to see what they're doing as well. And we're going to head off to Audi and uh, they have a few premieres as well. BMW's got a, a few workshops happening too. And then Wednesday um We'll go to the auto show and do our usual thing, you know, interviews and videos and photos and yeah. the whole thing. So it should be exciting. Yeah. should be fun. Yeah. Great. Right. Well, thanks, guys, for, uh, you know, listening to us. Nico, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for or joining. In, you know, next week, if you if we do get to speak to Marcus Flash, the MCO on the podcast, would be great. I mean, that's the plan for now. Hopefully nothing changes. So I definitely encourage you to stay tuned next week, um, you know, for a very, very special guest. And once again, we appreciate all the support, you know, given to us, you know, online through social media and now through the podcast as well.
0: Yeah. So thank you guys for listening and thank you, Horacio, for joining me.
1: Thanks. Appreciate it. See you next time.
0: Amen. Right, See you.
1: Bye.